Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to Hard Currency, the Financial Times podcast, which looks at the big moves and big stories dominating the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and this has been a busy week for Forex. The US-China trade tensions are hotting up, yet the currency market seems unperturbed. Brexit talks seem to be souring, yet sterling seems unperturbed, and the Federal Reserve is gearing up for another rate hike next week on the back of a very strong US economy, yet emerging market currencies seem unperturbed. What? is going on. Jane Foley, the Forex strategist at Rubberbank, is here to guide us through all these issues. Jane, let's start with US-China trade. Big headlines on Monday. Muted market reaction. Why? Well, indeed there is. And I suppose that the first response to that is, well, perhaps a lot of the bad news was already in the price. Perhaps the market has come to expect this. Perhaps the market's also anticipating something else. But I would also argue that perhaps one of the bigger reasons why the dollar is failing to find traction on this, why emerging markets are failing to sell off on this perhaps, is because we have had this news bubbling for a long time and the dollar has had a really big run. Mm -hmm. So it's only natural that you have some position adjustments, some profit taken in the dollar. And I think that's exactly what you've had. But the, the, the talks themselves, they they seem to be now following a pattern. Um, reaction from China seems to be what, what we expected. Even actually the way the US brought out the tariffs, they were only going to be 10% initially. So there's everybody seems to be well choreographed for all of this. Well, I, I suppose another reason for this is that we haven't seen that much reaction economic data yet. So, for instance, if we just look at Japanese uh, export data that we had earlier on in the week, really quite strong, strong to the US, strong to China. Uh, and, and these sorts of numbers allow the market to think, well, actually, maybe this isn't such a big deal. But the reality is, is that the economic data will always have been slow to, yeah. to show these strings. Uh, these, yeah. Particularly if you think about trade data, a lot of companies, a lot of countries maybe will have... Um, brought in a lot of Chinese goods before in the US be- yes. before uh, the, uh, the, the, the tariffs took place. So you'd have a front loading of, of uh, stocks and, and, and of course trade data is always very back, backward looking anyway. So the market may be too complacent? Indeed it might be. Indeed it might be. And do you think it's, it's kind of the, the, the market is looking at the midterm elections as some kind, kind of a break in US-China trade tensions? Well of course it is another focus. Uh, for uh, for the US dollar, for politics. It will be really quite interesting to, mm. to see uh, whether or not the support for Trump remains uh, uh, different or the same uh, afterwards. So uh, from from that point of view, it is a different focus. But I, I think it's it's really quite interesting too because there is a lot of rhetoric now about the, the, the trade suggesting, well, okay, you know, we all know that trade is going to be, or the trade wars are going to be massively disruptive. But actually, if you look at what commentators in the West say about Belt and Road, relative to Chinese commentators, there is a completely different opinion. And an awful lot of commentators are saying, you know what, perhaps somebody did have to stand up to China. So there is a slightly softened aspect, perhaps, coming through on on that front as well. Okay, okay. Um, Brexit. Uh, Before we get on to the nitty gritty of that, the interesting thing was that uh, a a few weeks ago, we were saying, oh, it's all about Brexit. It's not about the data. And yet here we have, you know, the retail sales, inflation, all 
pointing towards a, a, a or giving actually a, a very stronger, a much stronger um, sterling. So why? Indeed. Well, you know, I, I think the, um, the the broad consensus was that Brexit it's going to slow. It has slowed um, investment relative to mm. how it would be if 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 the, we didn't have political uncertainty, and therefore we would have a slower economy. And actually, these data are counter to that. We have, as you, as you just said, really pretty strong retail sales now for the last couple of months, and we've had, of course, stronger inflation data too. And I think the takeaways from those numbers are that if we didn't have this political uncertainty, the Bank of England would probably be hiking interest rates again this yeah. year. So in terms of what the money market or how the money market has read this, it's brought forward its anticipation of the next move from the end of uh, next year, perhaps to the middle of next year. And that consequently has, has had an impact on the pound. But I do think that uh, the political uncertainty and indeed what type of Brexit deal there is, if there is one, will ultimately have that bigger impact on what the Bank of England we're, can do We're next. doing this podcast, Jane, as, as the Salzburg summit is, is still going on. And it's very hard to read these headlines, but it does feel like the market wants to believe the good headlines and wants to kind of put, put you know, tuck away the bad ones. Um, well, that's because I think because of positioning. Yes. So, you know, if we, if we look at positioning data over the last few months, the market has been building up these big short, in, shorts and in sterling. sterling. And therefore, any little glimmers of, of good news are is therefore going to move the market more than any bits of bad news. And so that's what we've had over the last week particularly. But now that we've had this bit of better news in the market, I think we do need a little bit more to, to keep feeding that better tone and sterling. And I'm not so sure that we're going to get that better news. You're, you're worried that the market is is simply completely misreading the headlines or just doesn't have... It's just looking at the cursory headlines and not digging deep enough. I, I probably some of, of both and and I think it is certainly the case of many of the clients that I meet, in fact many of my colleagues there is a huge amount of confusion mm. over the whole part of the, the Brexit news mm. and, and, and I think for many people that has meant that they're sidelined mm. so actually there's less people involved so I think that explains why volatility in sterling has been perhaps more limited than you would expect given the, the huge amount of political uncertainty mm. this year. A lot of people just, just aren't yet getting involved and I think for many people they do want to see um, a little bit in more greater clarity what a deal or yes. if there will be a deal. Uh, many events to come including two important party conferences. You wouldn't want to advise anybody listening to this which of those events is more important than the other or is it is it the event on march the 28th the, the, well, the, the day before clearly all three and 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 really in in terms of the labor party conference clearly that is important uh, um whether or not Jer- jeremy corbyn can cement his power or not because you know whether or not there is going to be a change in leadership in the labor party in the next couple of years is really important for british politics yes. and, and 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 also for the tory party conference will um, there be a leadership challenge in the next few months? You know, we, we need to look through that party conference. And indeed, even if the EU and, and Theresa May agree on some sort of compromise deal, will there be enough support in the UK Parliament to push it through? And that's the sort of question that we're looking at the, the Tory party conference to try and get a feel for. Excellent. Well, um, well, everybody is on the sidelines still on Sterling. They're very much not on the sidelines as far as the Federal Reserve and the dollar. They are meeting next week. Um, there seems to be a, a desire to sell the dollar this week, as there has been since the middle of August. Again, I'm sure you're going to say positioning is all to do with that. What do you expect the Fed to, to do about forward guidance? Well, well, again, I, I think this is really important. I mean, generally speaking, if we come out of a crisis era, you would perhaps expect that there would be 
more hazy or, or less defined forward guidance. I mean, after all, if you think about when forward guidance you know, really became uh, useful, um, it was during or just after mm-hmm. the, the crisis years. Mm-hmm. Carney, of course, w- was, a, was a big yes. uh, writer of for- forward guidance. So in, in this sort of period, perhaps you'd expect a little bit less, but the forward guidance, I think, is really, really important. I mean, I've, the Fed has been really quite hawkish and suggesting that it could hike as many as four times this year. We want to know what it's going to do in 2019 and potentially a little bit beyond. And it's interesting that surveys are are beginning to suggest that many economists are looking for the US cycle to peak and then go into recession, perhaps by 2020. So that's not that long away. And and how the Fed perceives uh, the risk of perhaps overheating in the US economy, how it's going to react to that, I think is really crucial. There has been some commentary by some Fed members about this yield curve inversion issue. This is when, uh, if you could just explain actually for, the, for this, and why is that important in relation to in relationship to the recession? Well, generally speaking, recession? if you have the, the inverted yield curve, that is generally at the market at predicting a recession if you like. So that's, that's been a thing for much of this year, what, the, the, the position of, of the, the yield curve and the market saying, well, hang on a minute, market participants through the shape of that yield curve are signaling that, that a recession is, is on its way. Yeah. And that has been, that has given a flavour, I think, to all Fed meetings this year. But yields um, have been going up, though, haven't they? This yes. Week? Now, over the last um, couple of oh, this week, really, we've seen yields, a 10-year yield, for instance, uh, holding above that 3% level. Mm. I think we had about five consecutive yeah. days now of, of yields pushing high. So that, uh, is, is, is receding, so, well, that would suggest. But, of course, there are lots of technical factors at play, too. So, for instance, this year there's been a lot of corporate issuance in the U.S. And often, if investors want to buy that corporate issuance, they might have to sell their government paper. And that might mean that there's just a technical factor at play here. So, mm. There's all sorts of reasons as to why these things might happen. But certainly, uh, generally speaking, the, the shape of the yield curve can be really important to what goes on in the, in the US economy further down the line. Just finally, Jane, I mean, the other side of dollar weakness is strength in other currencies. And, and, we, and that depends on whether those central banks uh, of, of, say, G10 countries are, are ready and willing to raise rates. We've seen Norway decide to raise rates this week. Um, we've seen very strong data out of Norway and out of Switzerland. Um, the Swiss National Bank is less keen on it. Um, are we kind of on that point whereby having having discounted now slower growth in some of these countries and say, yes, it's very much back on. Are we back on board that kind of rate normalization train that we were on at the start of the year? Or can we expect more and more caution from central banks? You know, I, I think it's both. I think what we can oh, Jane, expect, can't have both. I'm sorry. what we've got <laughs> is the start of the interest rate tightening cycle, but at a much more cautious pace right. than we've ever seen before. Right. So, for instance, um, at the end of last year, the market was anticipating that we would soon see the ECB t- uh, hike interest rates. The ECB's yes. guidance is that it will be the second half, really, of 2019. So the pace of this normalisation is extremely slow. And that goes with the fact that, yes, we have had more inflationary pressures, but inflation remains very capped. And that's a a feature, really, of wage inflation also remaining very capped. And that's something which is common to just about the whole of the G10 for various different uh, reasons in in the labour market. So no particular rush by very many central banks to, to hike interest rates. The Fed, of course, has been the anomaly, and consequently, you've had the strong dollar this year. Yes, and you've talked about the possibility of a US recession. Of course, if there are recessions elsewhere, then it may, this, this very slow pace of rate normalisation may come along too late and too slowly. Well, indeed. Although it is, a, it is a, perhaps a problem that the Fed or, and other central banks don't have as much ammunition uh, to head off 
uh, another recession or another crisis. My thanks to Jane Foley of Rabobank. So next week it's the Federal Reserve meeting and we'll be talking about what we learn about that all-important guidance on future rates. Join us again on Hard Currency. Until then, it's goodbye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.